What's up and welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 movie library 24 minutes at a time. I'm Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lawhorn. And this week on the podcast, we are taking a look at the punk rock 2015 horror thriller Green Room. Ethan, what were your thoughts on this movie? Green Room is so interesting, honestly. I think this, so I had never heard of this movie until you put it on our schedule. Honestly, okay. like, like 100% honesty. Um, we, so before we started this podcast, we kind of made a list of like, what have we seen? What do we want to see? Uh, this was on the want to see, but I had never heard of it until then. You decided to throw it on the, on the list to kick off our October slate, which by the way is phenomenal. I think we've mm. got Midsummer, we've got Hereditary and we've got Lamp coming up yeah. at the end of the month as well. Solid month. It's, it's going to be a crazy month. I have not seen, obviously I've not seen Lamb. I've not seen Midsummer or Hereditary, just to let you know. So okay. those are going to be some raw reactions. I cannot wait for your I have, I have been steering clear of those for, for a long, long time. But yeah, I had not heard of Green Room. I threw it on the other night uh, to, to prep for the show. I think there are, there are definitely some th- certain things that I really like about this movie, but then there are other things that I was just like not super enamored with. I think I really personally like how contained it is. I love, mm. and we mentioned this last week on the pod with the humans coming out and it looks like it's a kind of a one location movie. I love a good, like one location spot. This is pretty much one location. Yeah. The bulk of the story happens at, at this like punk rock club. So I like how it feels contained and I like how it feels like it's in, it's in its own world. I think that plays really nicely into the storyline. Um, and it, you know, it feels like really hyper-focused. So you get really, high anxiety levels. You can get really into the storyline and and what's happening. Mm -hmm. Truthfully, it's, it's kind of just like a pretty fun, I don't like thriller slash slaughterhouse thing. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't watch a a lot of movies like this. It's like a, it's like a 24 escape room kind of thing, you know, where they kind of get trapped in that green room. I'm with you. I had the same note. Like this was a great one location movie. Even our movie last week that we talked about, Ex Machina is kind of a one location movie. Yeah, it really is. The house is big, but he's just, he's stuck there the whole time. And that's where the band is stuck as well. You know, I think the story does a great job of setting us up in the first 10 minutes for like um, just how badly the band needs this show to get the money. You know, like it makes sense why they're there, why they're doing all this. Um, And then, yeah, I don't know. I I loved this movie. I think it it does a great job of kind of giving you as someone who played in a band before, you know, you get the like the pack in kind of vibes Mm -hmm. and what's this what's this crowd gonna think of this band like all that kind of stuff going on and they set the tone so well when it's just like oh these are all like nazis and they let them know that before the show but like again they are so desperate for money it's like all right we got to play like we don't necessarily want to do this but we got to get back home because i believe they're on like an organ or whatever and they need to get back to dc or virginia yeah so there's like yeah we need money we'll do this so that that sets up like the desire there at the beginning and yeah, it just goes off the rails the minute they show up there. Like it just goes kind of crazy. Yeah. And I, I think the pacing of it was just done so well. Like you said, being a one location spot, like the tension just kind of cranks up and they, they, I don't know, you, you feel like you're there with them. You're anxious with everybody that's there. Yeah. This is another like 90 minute runtime. We've got a couple of short ones back to back. I think what is so hard about such a short runtime like this is really establishing a great, like a great connective storyline where you feel like you're ingrained with what is actually happening mm-hmm. for it all to end rather quickly. But I think this movie does it really well. Like you said, 
the first 10 minutes, we know exactly where this band stands in terms of how desperate they are, what they're trying to do, how much they need money. Like the very first shot, we see them essentially, they're crashing a cornfield because they're so tired. <laughs> yes. And then they go siphon a bunch of gas. And they're siphoning gas. It's like, yeah. oh man, these guys are desperate. And so I think it does set that really, really well. I think this we'll, is, we'll, oh, talk, sorry, go ahead. we'll talk about this in A1 Act. I was just going to say Patrick Stewart owning a punk rock neo-nazi band i can't it doesn't i don't know it doesn't work for me it doesn't work for me (laughs) it's it it was it was a twist for sure it was hard to kind of picture him and i had that note as well it's like is this like the most good guy who has ever then become a bad guy right you know it's just like it's kind of it's just you have a hard time like this is professor x this is jean-luc picard like and now he's a nazi like oh man this is so hard but i think he plays it well but there is yeah you got to definitely buy into it I agree with you on the 90 minute runtime. We just talked about Candyman um, on my other pod and that's 91 minutes. Nice. And I feel like it suffers from having too much exposition because they have so much backstory that they have to tell. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the hour and a half runtime, but sometimes it's like, oh man, like maybe a little bit longer would have been great. Mm-hmm. But this one works perfectly because it's like band is trapped <laughs> at a show by Nazis. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Give me that. That's all <laughs> I need for 90 minutes. Like you sold me. Like, let's have them escape here in 90 minutes. I, it worked so well for me. Yeah. You don't need more than that. I think it, it does exactly what it's, what it's supposed to do before we get into our true cinema and our a one act. I want to, I want to talk to you about the ending. So spo- obviously spoiler alert, if you haven't seen green room, I'm going to blow the whole thing wide open for you. So they essentially two of them escape. They get out. Yep. And I personally, I was like, yo, this, this is crazy now because when they walk down the road and they see Patrick Stewart and his, his other dude, like Mm -hmm. setting up a crime scene with the dead bodies of their friends, I was like, yo, that's really screwed up, man. That's (laughs) really, really messed up. And like they had code names for all this shit too, where it's like, yeah. oh, you need this. It's like, oh, you guys have done this before. This yes. is not the first time. Like when he, you know, it's like they, someone called in the cops and they called in a stabbing and they didn't even freak out. It's like, that's right. We know how to deal with this. And they pay these twins, like, Ooh, here's some yeah. money, stab him so that we can get out of this. Like, oh, you guys are way too calm and collected for what's going on here. And that's because you've done this before. And so it really like instills the fear in the viewer of mm-hmm. like, oh, we don't know who's going to survive this or if anybody is. Totally agree. And I do like that, uh, again, like the 90 minute runtime, basically like halfway through, you get this great reveal of like, okay, now we kind of have an idea why they run such a tight ship because they're distributing heroin mm-hmm. and it, it makes sense, but it also like impacts the storyline to be that much more resonating and say like, oh wow, they're like actually in with some really, really, really bad people. Like neo-Nazis are fucking terrible as it is. But yeah. neo-Nazis who who distribute and deal <laughs> heroin, that's pretty bad. I don't know if you get no, worse than yeah. that. Your point is spot on because, again, you've, you've had the ending spoiled. But, like, <laughs> we think up to the halfway point that they're just, like, in trouble for having found a dead body that they didn't want them to find. Right. We're like, yeah, that's enough of a reason for them to want to get rid of these guys. I get it. But then we find out that it's actually a place to distribute heroin. It's like, oh, okay, that's why they care so much. Like, they actually don't care at all about the dead body they found. It's like, it's what's underground that they're trying to protect right now. And it just, it gives them, like, the motivation to get rid of this band. And, yeah, it works. Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, let's talk about our true cinema, our favorite moment or scene of the film. Um, I think, for me, 
I think it's one scene that really got me that like stuck with me the most out of this entire movie. You've got them all trapped in the room and it's kind of their first interaction with, with Darcy, who's Patrick Stewart and Mm -hmm. basically trying to hand over the gun and they're trying to figure out what's going on. You've got, uh, Pat is trying to, to talk for everybody and decide, do we hand over the gun? Do we keep the bullet? Like, what do we do? How do we get ourselves out of this situation? Pat goes to hand over the gun. The red laces just obliterate his wrist and his arm and just take it down. That thing is just like broke beyond belief. It's so gnarly. They then try to incapacitate big Justin, like the big bodyguard that's in there and try to take him down while they're trying to incapacitate him. You have the blonde chick that comes in and uh, I believe her name is Amber and just slits his belly open. (laughs) Just takes a knife and just rips him right open. Just waist to neck. Like, no, we're just going to cut him right open. Yeah, she's like, I'm done with this shit. Like, let's cut this guy open. And so, like, that string, like, those three events taking place so tightly knit is, it's, like, such a short and compact roller coaster of emotions of, like, hope and then despair and then, like, loss. And, oh, it's, it's really good, though. It's so good. And honestly, like, the build up to that where they're, like, we'll keep the bullets. You take the gun. Like, and they're going mm-hmm. back and forth while also yelling for like the guy, Justin, like, are you okay? That really was giving me like Howie Ratner's like showroom kind of vibes where everyone's talking over each other, but you are able to follow what's happening, but they do such a good job of like, yeah, this is the chaos that you would be going through right now. Totally. It's totally believable. That, that scene was wonderful. Um, mine's a little bit earlier and it's more of just how it sets the tone for the movie. And so, you know, we've established that the band is here to make money where they've been given a warning that this is a Nazi like place, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so they're, they're in the green room kind of getting ready. And Anton Yelchin's like, I got a crazy idea. <laughs> I and love they go this. out on stage and the first song they play is Nazi punks. Fuck off. And I'm just <laughs> like, Oh my God, these guys like as desperate as they are for cash, they are not going to like <laughs> give, give up their morals, whatever they may be. They're going to let these guys know like, you guys are fucking idiots. Like God, yeah. you guys can fuck. I'm like, Oh man, that's amazing that they just like <laughs> set the tone right there. That, like we're just going to do what we need to do yeah. uh, to survive. I don't know. I, I thought that worked so well. It was a great way to just like kind of kick off the beginning of this movie for me. So that, that'd be my true cinema scene. It's such a cool insight into the band as a whole too, because we don't get a whole lot of background or exposition. We're really just like thrown into this of they're desperate for a gig kind of a situation. So we don't really know how they got here, but obviously that it like tells us at some point in time, they essentially just decided like, we are just going to do whatever we want all the time. And yep. that, kind of checks out as to why like they might be losing gigs left and right and not (laughs) not have a social media presence and not be popular (laughs) and nobody likes them like they just don't they just like abide by their own rules so yeah that's that's a great pick that's good stuff um let's do a1 acts we're gonna start with the big guns patrick stewart as darcy we mentioned charles xavier in in any of the x-men movies he was in coda this year he is uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard in the Star Trek movies. He is the voice of the poop emoji in the emoji yes, movie, which, by, I mean, by the way, that's secure the bag. I mean, do what you got to do, I guess. Do it, I don't man. know. I would do it. Go for it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, this, I, okay, I, I'm going to sound like a terrible person. I've seen one X-Men movie, and I've never seen a Star Trek film. So... Based on okay. that, I'm still giving it to Charles Xavier in any X-Men movie. That's, that is what Patrick Stewart is 
known for. I feel like the yeah. the most, and that's that's the A one act for me. I, I don't blame you for that. We're doing a recast coming up of the first X Men movie, and that's nice. who I'm having the hardest time with is Professor <laughs> X. I'm like, it's Patrick Stewart. Like, I just right. might cast him again. You know, um, I, as a kid who grew up with a dad who loves Star Trek and spent like weekends watching it. He's always going to be Jean-Luc Picard to me. Like that's just kind of who he is. But Professor X is a, it's a solid one, a one B situation between those two. Uh, this really is kind of like hard to watch when you know him as those two roles. Then you see him as like the head of this Nazi <laughs> party. It, it, it pl- I think it plays well, but it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just a drastic change from what you expect from him. Yeah. I just say like, to me, I'm just going to repeat it. It didn't, he didn't fit the vibe for me. They could have gone with like, maybe not necessarily like a big burly, like in your face kind of guy, but mm-hmm. someone that, that, that kind of has a similar vibe, but maybe just a little different, I guess. This like yeah. kind of low key, like really knows exactly what he plans to do, which is so menacing, but he's so calm about it, but it just didn't, just didn't work for me. Um, I get it. Anton Yelchin as Pat. Uh, he was in Star Trek Beyond, The Smurfs 2. Uh, he was in one episode of Criminal Minds. He was in Along Come a Sp- Came a Spider in 01. What do you got for his A1 act? Uh, I mean, I think he did a great job in the Star Trek remake. I think he fit that role really well. Um, I actually have his IMDb up right now because I'm pretty sure he was in this movie. Um, so I'm going to buy time by continuing to talk about it. <laughs> just keep vamping. Uh, Alpha just Dog. go. He was an Alpha Dog, which is a really, really good movie. Um, so that might be the one that I would pick. Um, but just do want to say like RIP Anton Yelchin, like he died way too young. I was looking forward to what his career was going to be. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with Alpha Dog, but he, he fits in really well at Star Trek. Nice. Yeah. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. So by default, I'm going to give it to this, but, um, I, I've wanted to see along came a spider for a long time just because to me, for some weird freaking reason, it's like one, it's like a movie poster or like, you know, how you used to go to blockbuster and like pick out like, you know, the picture on the box that is just like the picture on the box is just like forever burned in my memory. I have zero connection with this movie. I've never seen it. I have no clue what it's even about. But it's like, yeah, that's, I know, I know that movie from that oh, poster. Dude. So I don't know. I'm with you. I worked at a Hollywood video. So there are some <laughs> movies where I see the posters like, oh, I remember just seeing like a wave of these, these boxes. So yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, next up is Alia Shaqua or what is it? Shaqat? Alia Shaqat. Alia Shaqat. Alia yeah. Shaqat. As Sam, she's in Arrested Development. Uh, she is in First Cow, which is an A24 movie, which is what our, our First Cow category is actually named after. I lost my body in 2019. I've heard that's really good as well. Pee Wee's Big Holiday and one episode of The League, which I I love The League. I think it's fantastic. Oh, The League's great. Love yeah. The League. Uh, I think you have to give it to her for Arrested Development because maybe it's just it's such a great role. Um, but if I had to, if I was going to pick my favorite movie that she's in, it would be Whip It. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And she's in that with uh, Elliot Page, the Drew Barrymore kind of roller derby movie. She's you know supporting character in this in this um movie but whippet's wonderful i think you have to give it to to maybe on this one yeah i again i'm i'm in an interesting boat with most of these actors because i haven't seen a whole lot of other things that they've done i don't think one episode of the league is is enough to qualify for the a1x <laughs> yeah. i would love to give it to the league because i always want to talk about that show but i i like her in this movie a lot i think she does a good job really good job with 
by conveying her emotions, she's put in a real in a real pickle here, and yeah. she's scared, and but she like takes the lead sometimes. She's she's good in this movie. I think she's quite good actually. So for sure. Also, I, I just so. want to confirm: am I hearing you right that you've never watched Arrested Development either? Yeah, so I've seen maybe like one one episode, okay. maybe. All right. I know the quote, there's always money in the banana stand. That's a thing, right? That is a thing. So for sure. that I know that. Obviously, I know Jason Bateman and I, I like I know the cast. I've yeah. never I've never like watched it, which is like crazy because I love all of the people. Yeah, the the whole cast, the writing, it's I think it's one of the best yeah, TV shows that's come out in the last 20 years. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> Get- maybe maybe it's like a a refresher in between hereditary and Midsommar. Yeah, exactly. Maybe throw out a couple of rest of developments just to kind of clean the palate a little bit. Yeah. A little, little, uh, ginger to my, to my yes, wasabi exactly. tastings there. Yep. <laughs> um, next up is Amogan Poots who plays Amber. She was in the father, uh, in 2020 Vivarium 28 weeks later need for speed in 2014 and V for vendetta actually, which I I've been wanting to rewatch recently, but I have not seen for a very long time. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I honestly didn't remember her in any of these things. Uh, I looked up her IMDb and I forgot that she is the girlfriend in pop star. Never stop, never stopping. Oh yeah. So I think <laughs> that would be my pick just because that's the thing I'm most familiar with her <laughs> being in. Um, I, I didn't even remember that she was in V for Vendetta. That's a, that's probably the best movie on this list. Um, but I, I would probably show someone pop star for sure. Nice. I, I want to see Popstar. I, I don't know. Is, is that like a bad thing to say? Because I feel like it's not, it wasn't really received that well, but it looks kind of funny. I, I mean, I love it. I think it's so good. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Hot Rod, but they're, oh, you yeah. know, they're kind of a pair here. That It's the same guys. It's the same Lonely Island guys. Yeah. And it's just like really taking the piss out of just like the pop star kind of <laughs> like culture that we have going on right now. Uh, and they do, they do a great job with it. And I'm anything Bill Hader's in, I'm yeah. going to watch. You're so sold. definitely. Okay. Definitely check it out. That's a must watch then. That's a, I gotta, I gotta get to that. Um, do I, it. I think I, again, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a broken record here, man. I gotta give it to this movie cause I haven't seen her in anything else. So, yeah. so that's that. Uh, I won't speak too long on that one. The almost the last one is we've got a one act for dog attacks. This movie has some brutal dog attacks. Brutal, one in specific, one specifically where, uh, Sam just is done. She's toasted yeah. real fast. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. Uh, the dogs dogs are sicked on her and and they get her good. Um, I came up with with kind of a short list here. Feel free to add anything you've got. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, first one that comes to mind for me. You've got that pretty wild ending with mm-hmm. with the dog. The Dark Knight is kind of you got some dog attacks going on there. You know, my dogs are hungry. Uh, mm-hmm. That's classic and. Then, then the Sandlot, but I haven't seen the Sandlot in forever, so I don't know. Forever, forever. yes. Um, I think it's it's so weird because it's like The Dark Knight's my favorite movie on this, but it's my least favorite part of that movie. I hate the <laughs> yeah. dog attack; it's so dumb to me. Um, I think the one that stuck out to me the most was Sandlot, even if it is kind of in the urban legend ghost story that they're telling, and it didn't actually happen. Just seeing that black and white like retelling of how scary you know Hercules is. Just it, that's the one that stuck with me the most. So that's what I probably what I would go with. Yeah, I've got to give it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That movie is sublime in and of itself, but the dog attack in the end is again is pretty brutal and it's pretty sure. it's pretty intense. And without that dog attack, you don't have you. you I mean, you, you lose a very essential part of the storyline. So I think 100%. that that does it pretty well for me. So that's one of the things that they say too, right? It's like 
fangs and knives like when they go yeah. into like when they say that you can attack the people inside the thing and it's like no guns nothing like that but fangs and, <laughs> and knives. knives like oh shit man like again this is the thing that they just say because they've done this before and it's like fucking crazy <laughs> so so ridiculous yeah and like and they finally and in this movie they finally get to the point right towards the end where they kind of don't care as much they're just like if you're mm-hmm. gonna shoot them multiple times try to clump it together because you're gonna be digging out the bullets like yep. that kind of a thing. And so it's pretty impressive. My thought is this band and these people, I've obviously survived the longest in this escape room situation. Yes. And, and I don't think Patrick Stewart was ready to deal with this uh, type of in- ingenuity from a band. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. They, they definitely yeah have, have broken the mold, I think, as far as what their rules were. Absolutely. Let's, let's uh, do something different in keeping with this movie. A theme throughout this film is what would your desert island band be? And I wanted to ask you, what is your desert island band? You only get I mean, one. Hard, you only get one you band. You only get one. And I have to go with my favorite band. Like I, I thought about plenty of them because okay. like the first rock and roll CD I ever heard was Led Zeppelin one. And nice. so and that's the guy like John Bonham made me want to become a drummer. So I love them. There's just so many. I love the who like Keith Moon, all that kind of stuff. But I have to be true to myself. My favorite band of all time is Incubus. And I feel like they have enough variety in their music. It's like they've grown up, like they have some more mellow stuff recently, but some of their harder stuff at the beginning, I just think it gives me the variety that I want. And like, I have multiple tattoos referencing them on my body. It's like, it feels weird to take anything else. So that would definitely be my desert island band who would be yours god your bands are so much cooler than mine i'm gonna sound like <laughs> such a loser you're giving off like all-time heaters here man and that is so so good i think my music taste i did not grow up necessarily in like that age of of classic iconic rock symbols mm-hmm. i think if i'm going that route this is not my choice but if i'm going that route and that kind of like um iconic rock band ish my pick would be Van Halen. I grew up listening to Van Ooh. Halen all the time with my dad. I listen to it all the time now. I think I same it. same with them. They have some incredible variety, some not as good as others, but you get some incredible stuff. If I'm going to be true to myself, I've got really an A1 pick and an A2 pick. My A1 is Billy Joel. I'm a Billy Joel guy. Nice. I, I, I flew all the way to New York to see him play at Madison Square Garden and and he's my guy. I don't know if that really qualifies as a band. Cause it's like a one dude kind of a yeah. thing, but uh, you know, he's got a lot of music and that's kind of my jam. If that doesn't qualify, my second beat would be 21 pilots. I love 21 pilots. I think they are fantastic. Uh, and I have uh, a lot of things in my life that are, that are referencing 21 pilots, like Which, the, yeah. uh, the yellow tape here on my headphones. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't deny that. I would almost go with Billy Joel just for like the amount of music he's right. put out. You have so much stuff to choose from. <laughs> uh, I mean, I saw him in concert too. And nice. the last thing I expected when I went to a Billy Joel concert was watching him cover ACDC. Dude, he but crushes it. it. Out being, he does. He really <laughs> he's so does. Good. I had no idea. And I was like, holy shit. He, yeah. like, he does it. It's great. And he's just got like all, all time classics. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Billy Joel's a great selection in my mind. Yeah, that would be that would be my desert island guy. Let's do our A twenty four ranking of Green Room. We've got First Cow would be our top tier, the best of the best. Good Time is a nice mid level watch, and the Farewell our bottom tier. Ben, would you mind going first for me? No, I'd love to. Honestly, as much praise as I put on this movie, and as highly as I do recommend it, if I'm if I'm if I 
can take a step back. This is a good time. Okay. This is, it's a, it's a really good movie. It's a great one location movie. It's a great thriller. It's all this kind of stuff, but I just, I, I can't put it in there with, you know, the uncut gems and the ex machina. It's not quite there for me, but it is like the top level of the good time. That That's where it falls for me. Nice. What about you? Nice. Well, so I, I, I don't know how I feel about this and I, I feel bad for starters and I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to make you cry on the podcast. I don't want to hurt your feelings <laughs> based on my ranking. Cause you put this on the schedule and I was more than happy to watch it, but yeah. I've got to be honest, man. I got to be honest here. I'm going to dish out the podcast first ever farewell ranking. And I, I do it's it. bold and it's a big play, but I have not thought about this movie since I watched it. Truthfully, it didn't change my life. And that is the bar yeah. that I set for films. If it doesn't change my life, <laughs> it's not good. And so that, I, I get it. I think I don't I like I don't think it was bad. I just don't think it's something I would go out of my way to see. And it's not something I would really recommend to others. And it could be a genre thing. It could be that like maybe I just wasn't fully invested. It could be like a whole mixture of things, but this is the first first farewell ranking of a film on the podcast. I think it's totally legit. I understand, you know, why someone might feel that way about it. <laughs> There's a level where I probably feel that way too, because I haven't revisited it since watching the first time. So when we started doing this, I was like, I was excited to have a reason to watch sure. it again, because I don't know when I would have, when I would have made myself watch it again. So yeah, I, I totally get, you know, if it doesn't connect with you and there's aspects of it, of just like, I don't know if it's like having been in a band or something like that, that yeah. just like kind of draws me in even more. But um, yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of our first, like not be on the yeah. same wavelength here. And I, I dig it. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I, yeah, I had a great time with this movie. If you're in for like a, a tight 90 kind of escape thriller, yep. I think this is a, a great way to go, um, be ready for some, you know, some action, some gore, some, just, I mean, it's intense, but I think it's great. Yeah. It's intense. It's, it's really good. Um, I just, you know, just not up to snuff for me. And I will say to to close us out here, another week has gone by in which we have failed to uphold the name of the podcast. And I, I feel I feel like we might be losing some listener trust here, man. I feel like <laughs> we claim to be 24 minutes of A24. We've done our, just our damnedest job. But, you know, I, there's a lot to talk about. So an, know, it, another week it, yeah. and, and we'll try again next week, I guess. It's like the speed <laughs> limit. It's just a suggestion. Like right. You need to go at least 70. We got to go at least 24. We're probably going to go over. Exactly. Let us know what you guys think about our name. If we're, if our runtime's killing you. Uh, we also want to know what you think about this movie. What do you think about A24's Green Room? What is your Desert Island band? We really want to mm-hmm. know that. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at 24 minutes of A24. I'm Ben Lawhorn. And I'm Ethan Simi. Spring break forever, bitches. 